0: Hello and welcome to Reactives Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evy and this week we are focusing on the United Nations Climate Change Conference, its importance, what was put on the table by the leaders and which are the thorny issues of the summit. We are also talking about the fishing dispute that is going on between France and the UK after Brexit. Why is it happening? What did Macron and Johnson talk about and what can we expect? So we are traveling to Glasgow, where leaders are meeting to talk about the climate change and the COP26. And to shed some light on this story, I am joined by Kira Taylor, Active's energy and environment reporter. Kira, the COP26 summit is held these days and, in my understanding, COP can determine the future of our planet. Not to be very dramatic about it, but I think it sounds fair at this point. So let's just break it down. Why is COP so important? So COP26
1: is this two week climate summit. It's super, super important, partly because it comes right at the beginning of what everyone is calling the crucial decade for climate change. So we really need to start making changes now. Otherwise, we're in trouble, basically. Um, the world is on track to reach about 2.7 degrees warming above pre-industrial levels, which is just, I mean, that you're going to see huge changes to climate, um, more flooding, more extreme weather, really a completely different world to what we currently experience. And that's according to the UN emissions gap report. And that's even if all of the current pledges are delivered. So really, there needs to be a lot more ambition in order to prevent this uh, drastic climate change. Um, And a lot of people are seeing COP26 as the arena for driving more ambition. But I think a lot of people are also quite cautious about being hopeful for it. Um, Many climate activists believe that they can't rely on leaders, we've heard Greta Thunberg and talking about blah, blah, blah. Um, and so for them, they're really putting public pressure on leaders to be more ambitious.
0: And what has happened uh, so far at cope
1: We've had the first few days and they've been very, very busy. We've had a lot of agreements and announcements. Um, the first really key one is a global methane pledge that was led by the, e- the EU and the US. Um, methane is the second most damaging greenhouse gas emission, but it hasn't really seen as much attention as carbon dioxide, um, so this will really start to tackle those methane emissions. Um, it will set out regulatory uh, measures to tackle the global emissions of methane and to cut these by 30% by the end of the decade. Um, according to the European Commission, there are over 100 countries who are now signed up to that.
0: But there isn't China, there isn't Russia, there isn't Australia, and there isn't India. Well, basically, you are talking about the most important uh, countries regarding the climate change. So some
1: of the key countries that we would really hope to see signed
0: up are not
1: there. You've also got, actually, this is slightly more positive in terms of which countries are pledged to uh, end deforestation. Uh, Forests are a key uh, mitigator, so they, they capture uh, carbon. Um, there's a multi-billion dollar pledge to end deforestation um, backed by lots and lots of countries, but Brazil and Russia are on board with that one, which is good because they are the ones which have some questionable forestry policy to, <laughs> to not go into details. Um, but again, NGOs are warning that this type of pledge has been made before and could be ignored. What is Europe's position going into COP? So Europe has a mixed position. It has an increased climate target. So it went from cutting emissions by 40% by 2030 to up to 55%. And it has the Fit for 55 climate um, package, which is kind of the first real thing that we've seen legislated on to cut down on greenhouse gas emissions. However the climate target isn't the most ambitious a lot of people are calling on the european commission for a 65 percent target so it's kind of hard for europe to drive ambition when people are criticizing it for not being ambitious enough um and you kind of see that reflected so we we've seen india's nationally determined contribution which is sort of its pledge under the paris agreement and It's not good, I would say. Um, You know, it's really good that we've seen it. We've been waiting on it for quite a long time now. But they're only wanting to reach net zero emissions by 2070, which is very, very late. Uh, We need more ambition from both countries like India, but also countries like the EU. And what are we expecting? So we've got another, well, another week and a half of climate stuff going on. Um, there are going to be, in the background, negotiations on carbon markets, so um, international cli- uh, carbon removal trading, um, and common timeframes, so when you when you report on your climate ambition. Um, that's going to be the kind of quiet stuff that goes on in the um, closed rooms and no one will see. Um, the very loud stuff will be the climate protests. So there are certainly two that Greta Thunberg is talking about, um, including a climate march. Uh, So we will see what happens there. I think there'll be some interesting banners. We have heard Greta Thunberg swearing, I think for the first time, but I'm not sure. Um, And also there will be these side events. So lots of discussion about how to
0: actually tackle climate change. Well, thank you, Kira, for the insights. And of course, you can find everything above the COP in the green brief, make sure to have a look at it on youractive.com. You can also find Your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast in our podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on youractive.com newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and Agri-Food Brief podcast. From Glasgow, we moved to Paris to talk about the fishing dispute between France and the UK that has been simmering down for weeks now. To hear more on this, I spoke with Mathieu Polet from Euractiv France. Mathieu, the relations between the UK and France have been quite tense over the fishing rights. What is the story there and why do we have a fishing dispute?
2: It's been brewing for some time now, weeks if not months, and, and like most of the dispute with the UK lately, it's all about Brexit, right? Mm-hmm. So before the, the the British officially left the EU, French fishers could work and operate freely in the British waters. Then, as you know, Brexit happened, and very early on, the, the the fishery issue was put on the table. This is not only about the fishermen, but also about trade and the markets, because you know, like about a quarter of French catches in volume come from British waters, which are very rich in fish and are responsible for. Uh, more than €650 million in annual sales for European fishermen. So in the withdrawal agreement, uh, there was this provision for a kind of status quo on the issue. It was to be business as usual as long, because there is a condition, as long as the French fishermen could prove that they were taking their trawlers into UK waters before the UK left the EU. So the main dispute now is really about the, the main nature and the extent of the ev- evidence required by, by the British. And I, I'd like to add that this is not only about economy, obviously, either, uh, because this is very much political on both ends, actually. In France, you know, like, there is the presidential elections looming. And for Boris Johnson, this is also about proving that the Brexit did mean taking back control.
0: So, what is France demanding right now?
2: I'm going to quote three words that were used by Macron. It's about exigency, seriousness and respect. Basically, Macron has been calling Johnson on respecting his signature and take his commitment seriously. More concretely, though, what does it mean? France has accused London of not granting licenses for its fishing vessels to operate in British waters. Our Secretary of State for European Affairs, Clément Bonn, even said that this wasn't just about a few licenses, but more than forty percent of the French detailed requests, and argue actually that of all the expected licenses that the UK should have been granted, the only missing ones are French. So it's a battle of numbers, really, because the Brexit Minister David Frost said that the British authorities have granted 98% of applications.
0: And France was ready to impose some punitive measures against the UK, according to Macron. What are the new developments on this?
2: France has been threatening the UK for some time now. France threatened to ban British fishing vessels from landing their cargoes in French ports to step up customs checks on all lorries in London didn't grant licences to French fishermen. But Paris also put on the table the possibility to reduce electricity supplies to the Channel Islands, like Jersey. Those islands, you know, are very much dependent on France for energy. And a first wave of retaliatory measures were meant to be enforced from Tuesday this week on words. But Paris actually decided to put them on hold pending another meeting on Thursday to try and settle the dispute. Macron said, you know, like while he was at the COP26, that he shouldn't, France shouldn't actually impose sanctions while they are negotiating.
0: After the talks during the G20 summit, it seems that there is a de-escalation of the situation. Is that what is happening? What can we expect?
2: Let me tell you first about the de-escalation possibility, that it's all about perspective. Because at the G20, France talked about de-escalation, right? Saying that the ball was now in the British courts after Macron has just put forward some proposal during a very private meeting with Johnson. But actually, it was more about wishful thinking for Paris, because right after, Johnson's spokesman rejected the description of the meeting as being about escalation, because the UK was not very happy about the ultimatum from, from Paris. Discussions are still very much alive, both at the Commission level and bilaterally. Some talks were heard in Brussels between the UK and the European Commission this week. One sensitive issue um, was discussed, the, the one about replacement vessels, which are basically new French fishing boats that have replaced older ones. London has said before that they would refuse to take them into account, but now it seems like they are willing to soften their position. And to appease London on the French French end, uh, a Scottish uh, boat was detained in France for a week for fishing more than two tons of scallops without a license, left a French port later on Wednesday this week. Discussions are still very much alive. The the latest meeting to date is between UK Brexit Secretary David Frost and and Clément Beaune, the the French Secretary of State for European Affairs, uh, on Thursday, this week, uh, in Paris. So, yeah, discussions are still on, but the final outcome of the whole dispute remains quite lengthy and probably won't be settled uh, just in weeks.
0: Well, thank you, Mathieu. And if you want to read more on this story, visit your France I am Evie Kiori and this was Your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed in two weeks' time. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening.